that it has the right volume. And I think that it works. Everything just works less effectively in quarantine, I suppose. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Things cannot work properly. I know. Uh, so, yeah, we don't have a fancy opening for you or anything, you know. So this is just the End of the World podcast. Here we are, the End of the World podcast, brought to you by your boys at Ready, Set, Review. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so welcome back to Ready, Set, Review. It's been a few weeks, obviously, because we've yeah. uh, been in quarantine. And, and we still technically are, but Anthony and I said, fuck it, we're going to social distance in the same vicinity. Yeah, keeping six feet apart from yeah. each other and uh, getting a chance to record, because we want to be able to bring entertainment uh, to the masses and to you, our true reviewers, because we feel like we owe it to you now more than ever to be able to provide some good entertainment while everyone is stuck at home living their quarantine life and trying to live their best quarantine life. <laughs> yeah, and even though we're everything else has been canceled. <laughs> yeah. It'll be tough to us to have content because every movie for 2020 has pretty much been delayed or delayed canceled. Or canceled. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess the over. I mean, I guess some of the most relevant news to discuss, I think Sony, so a lot of like, you know, Disney and a lot of other studios, they've been doing some like direct to streaming platforms options, you know, just delaying release dates. Um Sony came out the other day and just flat out was like, "No, nah, 2020 calendar is now the 2021 calendar." That's it. Like everything just yeah. moved. Just move, it, <laughs> move it back a year, move it back a year. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, the streaming services are going to be doing okay. Um, I'm hoping, uh, very hopeful, that things like HBO Max are not going to be delayed because we need that kind of content right now more than ever. And yeah. I, I'm waiting to get HBO until I can get HBO Max. I don't want to just buy HBO now and then just like... Yeah, have to wait, like, and then just re-get HBO Go later, or HBO Max later on. And what was, did we, did we even know the original release date, or it did they have, it was May, yeah, okay, was I couldn't remember May. what they said. Which I think that they're still on schedule for, I know that HBO released a whole bunch of content for free, as like a prelude yeah. to HBO Max, like to get you like excited for HBO Max. Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, so I don't know the first thing. That goes into uh, building and launching a streaming service, really. But I'd have to imagine if the original release date was May, that that means that the product itself was ready to go and it was just in, like, the final, you know, yeah. post-production phase. So this thing hitting in March, really, I can't imagine delaying it that much because, you know, we still have internet, so... <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the crazy thing. I, like, I was talking with um, uh, my fiance last night and we were talking about what would happen if internet went down right now like you'd see chaos you'd see absolute chaos. chaos yeah if if people lost internet like you have no way to communicate you have no way to work you have no way yeah. to do anything and just like so like internet is literally the most important thing that we have right now oh yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be pure pandemonium it's, it's basically utility at this point yeah like, it, it is it is basically a utility yeah yeah and for those of us who are working at home, and if you write off your taxes next year, you should absolutely be writing off both your electric bill and your internet bill for every single month that you had to do any work from home. Any any work from home at all, it is absolutely mandatory for you to be able to have your, your internet and electric in order to be able to work. So if you're writing off 
you're uh, if you're you're writing in and and uh, actually not doing the standard deduction and you're itemizing your deduction make sure that you are adding in your electric and your util and your uh, internet bill to the uh, the things that you're itemizing yeah i never actually thought about necessity. that yeah. I never thought about that, but that's probably actually right because, yeah, yeah it's like the, the company is not paying your internet no. bills or whatever. No. So, yeah, I never no. thought about that. And if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be able to work. Yeah. So. And especially because right now if you are working from home, like probably, at least for me, I know every meeting I'm on is now a like a video meeting. It's Absolutely. no longer a just a call. It's a video meeting now. 100%. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Um, and I've gotten a chance to do uh, some cool things. Like we did a virtual happy hour last night. Yeah. We're going to do, do a Netflix party, which is cool. You know, the one thing I had goes. to say about working from home, though, is that I like I've always said it's like, oh, yeah, it's cool to work from home a few days a week. Doing it five days a week fucking sucks. I am it's working so it's much more now than yeah. I do when I'm in the office because it's like you don't have any of that like routine like just even the travel time to your office to like break anything up like i wake up and i start working right away yeah and i'm working for like two or three hours longer than i normally would and it's just like it's fucking miserable yeah it really is and like you're stuck in this place and it's so hard on people's lives people's relationships like almost every single video conference that i've been on like people are at home with their kids that's just yeah. part of life so like their kids are running in and it interrupts the call and it and it, like as frustrating it is as it is like you have to accept it like there is nothing else that you can do and it's not their fault like those people wish that they would not have to be home as well but they are stuck at home like i know people that have you know one-year-olds and everything like that and they're still trying to work a consistent high volume outbound sales job and it's just like almost impossible this is now for me reason 3046 why i do not have children <laughs> <And> <laughs> further one. proof was needed <laughs> the pandemic has shown that <laughs> so so true reviewers we are here today we're going to have a, a really cool episode um because we still are your favorite podcast for movies music comics and culture um, so we're going to talk to you a little bit about what we've been watching. What have we been watching on streaming services? What streaming services are we using? What's cool? What have we seen? And we're going to get a chance to kind of chat about uh, a little bit about everything. So I guess let's kick it off right with the main event because I like my dessert first. Um, and let's just jump right into what everyone is talking about and what everyone has seen. And that is Tiger King on Netflix. <laughs> now, be careful of spoilers if you haven't seen Tiger King yet. Um, just be careful of spoilers. Yeah, Although, we are a spoilerific podcast. Yeah, still. if you haven't seen Tiger King, uh, stop this podcast right now and go and, and marathon that. Just go and watch it because it's an incredible documentary, just another brilliant documentary by Netflix, and it's absolutely hysterically funny. And it's almost like watching fiction because you have these, like it's marketed as, you know, the story of this outlandish, outrageous um, uh, zoo owner, small zoo owner, specializing in wild and tigers or whatever. And he's basically like a big gay Al, Joe Exotic, yeah. Yeah. of like the tiger yeah, big gay world, Joe. right? So when you like, when you first start watching it in the first episode, the, the, this is the thing I like most about the show. In the first episode, you get pretty much introduced to the whole cast of characters, almost all right up front. And then you think that Joe Exotic is like the craziest one of them all. 
Yep. And then episode two, you find out that one guy who also owns a zoo is basically also running a sex cult and thinks yep. that he's a god. Yep. And then in the third episode, you find out that another rival zoo owner killed her husband for his money and fed him to tigers. <laughs> and, then, and then in the fourth episode, you get the meth heads that come in. And then it, it just like progressively, all these characters just get progressively, they all have their own individual story arcs and each one is more insane than the next. Yeah, and it's just so unbelievable. And you just watch these and you're like, oh my gosh, this person is such a terrible human being. I can't can't believe that anyone would be this terrible but wait then comes yeah. along the next person and they're just even more terrible and let's talk about being <laughs> terrible because i think like when people went into this i think everybody expected joe exotic to be the most terrible person on the show and certainly to be the bad guy right. of the show and honestly really i not. think like yeah he's certainly no hero but no. i honestly think that he having watched the whole thing i think he's just a big dumb animal that so many people have taken advantage of yeah, I, I would agree with that. And he was just, you know, he was super obsessed with trying to become famous and, and trying to be a big celebrity and, and to make more and more money. And unfortunately, you know, as with any business, you're going to have your rival businesses and that are going to come in and try and compete with you and try and shut you down. And Carol fucking Baskin, <laughs> Carol fucking Baskin is the problem from Big Cat Rescue. My favorite part, one of my favorite parts, I should say, is the fact that Joe Exotic ran for governor of Ohio as a fucking libertarian. A libertarian without even knowing what it meant to be a libertarian, without knowing anything about it. Just oh, like, man. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm a goddamn libertarian. Wow. He's like, I got guns, right? Got, That's all you need to be a libertarian? I've had some freaky sex. <laughs> I have done drugs. <laughs> but I mean, you know what, though? In, like, a lot of ways, though, like, when you really think about it, in a lot of ways, he is, a, like, a libertarian wet dream. He's, like, this big, yeah. outlandish gay guy yeah. who owns his own business, yeah. presumably, you know, free of government control, and he has guns. Lots yeah. of guns. Yeah. That's, like, a libertarian wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. And, like, the one guy that I really liked throughout the entire documentary was just that kid who was his campaign manager, Yo. who was an actual libertarian. Yes. And, like, he like he hits his pen, and he's like, you know, I'm an actual libertarian, so fuck the feds. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a great line. This is a great line. Oh, man. And yes. then I and then I loved the uh, the one I forget her name, but the one that had her arm torn off. Oh, yeah. And, like, just, like, went right back Saff, to work. Yeah. yeah. Saff, yeah. She was like, she reminded me of just like the, the way she told her story about how the doctor explained to her is like, you're going to have to go through like, you know, six, 10 months or whatever of uh, reconstructive uh, surgery, surgery yeah. and like, and rehab and all this shit. And she was like, just cut it off. It's, 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 it's like when we dick Yahtzee, yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah. cut it off. Just yeah. forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yahtzee is, uh, we play a version of Yahtzee um, ourselves that is uh, a little bit different than the regular game, but uh, yeah, when you miss a roll, you uh, that's essentially what we call it. We call it, you're, you're cutting it off, right? Because yeah. it's got gangrene and you got to cut it off. She which, dipped her right arm. <laughs> which I'm very surprised that she didn't, like, you know, that she didn't have, uh, you know, Joe Exotic actually get her some, you know, cyborg, you know, limbs. Right? Like, exactly. why doesn't she have, like, a robotic hand? Like, exactly. That's, like, the only reason. Like, if I'm going to lose my arm... 
right? The only reason I'm losing that arm is so I can replace it with a cybernetic arm. Well, then I like right? that other guy too, the one guy that had, <laughs> he was missing both of his legs and he was like, you know, most people think I've lost my legs to a tiger accident. He's like, but it was actually a skydiving accident. Yeah, it was a skydiving <laughs> Wait, is that what it was, skydiving? No, I think it was bungee jumping. Bungee jumping, that's what it was, it was bungee jumping, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, and he, he landed on his legs yep. and then that was it. And then he, well, but it was really because he could move his big toe. Right. So he was like, okay, well, if I can wiggle my big toe, I'm going to be able to walk. So he kept trying to walk on his fucking decrepit legs. Yep. And then it was just, they just, they, he was walking on them for like eight hours a day, nine hours a day. And they just, they it just reminded me that scene atrophied the, and went to nothing. It so reminded me that scene off. in The Dark Knight where he's got Eric Roberts over the balcony. And yeah. Eric Roberts goes, a fall from this height won't kill me. He goes, I'm counting yeah, on it. He drives him his legs, just go in for it. So yeah, so let's get the other obvious thing out of the way when it comes to Tiger King. Uh, Carol Baskin, by far the worst person on the show. Dude, Carol and Baskin is the worst. She definitely killed her husband and fed him to tigers. I, it's very plausible and very believable. Either she fed him to tigers or she chopped him up and put him in the septic tank. Yeah, like, you know? he did not. Like, if, if you honestly expect anybody to believe the story that she's feeding where he just one day up and decided he was going to go to Costa Rica and leave his however many untold millions behind. Yeah, his behind. fortune and everything yeah. behind. Like, if he took his money with him and just vanished or even at least, like, a good portion of it, then it's a lot more believable, her story. But the fact that she got all of his money and yep. he was never heard from again, she obviously fucking murdered him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she... she and, and, and then she has that part later on where she's like, well, you'd have to... In order for you to have a tiger eat someone, you'd have to cover him in <laughs> sardine oil. And you're just like, um... Is that how you did it? Yeah, it's like... Is that how you did it? And how did you find that out, by yeah, the way? Yeah. Oh, I Googled it, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And if you look, the, the really frustrating thing is because, like, if you look at Big Cat Rescue and you look at, like, the facility that they had, yeah, it was it was terrible. Yeah. It was, like, this terrible facility. It was nowhere near the level that Joe Exotic had. Yep. He had a much better living space for the Tigers. He had a much better place, right? And But the problem was is that Joe Exotic would just, once the Tigers were too big, he would just euthanize them. Right. So he would just blatantly murder Tigers because, oh, well... Once they're bigger than a, a cub, you can't profit off of them because nobody wants to to pet a giant tiger that can literally rip your arm off yep. and murder you. Uh, I think it's insane that there are one yeah. of the factoids they mentioned in the show is that there are more tigers living in captivity in America than there are in the wild. Yeah, like, than there are in the wild. Like, doesn't surprise me because America, but yeah. like this just. Absurd. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really crazy. I mean, and it's it's but like that's the thing, right? So Big Cat Rescue, like she never talked about like re-releasing them into the wild. No, she didn't none talk of them about did. none of them. They're did. all terrible people. Yeah, they're all terrible. They're all terrible. They're all still trying to make profit off of it. Like yeah. Big Cat Rescue is just like anyone else. Because then you hear about her. And she was, like, criticizing him. Oh, he doesn't pay his hands enough. But then you hear her. She doesn't pay her yeah. her hands anything. Yeah, and she was all. just like, oh, I, well, we got volunteers. Yeah, vo oh, no, it's great. all volunteers, <laughs> right? And it's all volunteer works. Oh, so you're just running a complete scam and not having to pay people anything. Yep, funny how yeah. that works, isn't it? You know, and it's it's a shame because Joe Exotic was a moron and tried to have Carol Baskin. Carol fucking Baskin, you tried to get her <laughs> murdered. I'm going to put a bullet in your fucking head, Carol Baskin. Well then, yeah. Then Jeff Lowe, he was the Jeff other Lowe. guy. Jeff Lowe is like just what Dude, a what so a terrible you, human being. When I saw Jeff Lowe, I immediately thought I was like, okay, if I were to extrapolate Rob Deerdeck and add drugs, 
That's yep. Jeff Lowe. That's like, a lot of drugs. Like, who... Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm all about, like, you know, being you and owning your own identity. But this guy is, like, over 50, and he dresses like a fucking skater from, like, East L.A. in the 1990s. Yeah, yeah. Like, and just talks about how many, like, strippers he bangs with his yeah. like, wife, you know? Oh, and then he has a nanny. The nanny yeah. is, like, well, an yeah. absolute smoke. Yeah, of like, course. He got this on. smoke show nanny, and it's like, great. You know? Good for him. You know? You know? More power to him if he's allowed to have it. And then I guess the the other, well, not funny part, but relatable part is that fucking Joe Exotic is in prison and he's got the Roni. Yeah, Joe Exotic now has coronavirus. That is absurd. That sucks. The whole yeah, thing okay. is ridiculous. It's just, it's just an ever, it's a non-stop escalation of insanity in that show. Because, like, literally every episode is more ridiculous than the one before it. And then, like, and I feel bad for that one kid, the night was Tyler or whatever, the 19-year-old kid yeah. that, like, also got himself. married to yeah. Joe but killed himself, like, because yeah. he, had, he had two husbands. <laughs> yeah. Two husbands, but they didn't like each other that much. And I love um, his first husband was, uh, was like, Alabama meth head Dave Batista. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's that great meme, right? You know, when you order something yeah. online and when it actually arrives, right? He's, uh, he's an Alabama Dave Batista. No, it's so true, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Tiger King, definitely on the recommendation list. If you haven't seen it, definitely go and check it out. It's worth the watch. It is, it is absolutely hysterically funny all the way through. It's like a train wreck. You just can't turn away. Like, it's it's so horrible, but you just can't look away. Exactly. Um, so moving on from there. Um, so, yeah, just getting a chance to talk about some of the other things that I like. I actually watched the the movie Blood Father the other night, which is uh, <laughs> it's a Mel Gibson movie. Um, and it's also got... Um, it's kind of it's kind of actually a number of uh, of famous actors that like make kind of small cameo appearances and things like that. Um, but really great movie about an ex convict father who reconnects with his daughter and has to like try and protect her from a uh, the Mexican cartel, right? And it's just it's awesome. It's action packed. Mel Gibson is jacked in this movie. Like he's more jacked than I've ever seen him, and it's just an awesome kick ass movie. And like more is this new more, or. Yeah, it's new. I, I gotta watch it. Dude, this. you gotta see it. It's really, really good. And, like, as the movie goes on, it reveals more and more about his background and, like, why he was in jail, how long he was there, and everything else. And, like, it's just, it's just absolutely awesome. I think, without having seen it, I think my favorite part about this is that it shows that even an actor of Mel Gibson's caliber, who's done a lot of very good movies outside of the action realm. Even he is not impervious to the inevitable curve of the 80s action star where you eventually go into that direct to it, what would now it used to be the direct to dvd market yeah, now it's the direct to streaming yeah, direct market to or whatever you know and like your your dolph lundgren's your sylvester stallone's not so much your own schwarzenegger's but like van damme yeah van damme van damme's made like, so many yeah. direct to netflix and like movies. even nicholas cage is yeah. in that you know he's been steven in that seagal. realm yeah steven, steven seagal has like all of these like garbage like, straight to streaming mel movies. gibson's the one guy who i thought might have survived that but I think it all it all depends on when you hit your for me I think it all depends on when you hit your stride as an action star like if you hit your stride as an action star in the 80s you're doing direct to DVD stuff right now oh, or yeah. or like the expendables but oh, guys yeah. like Tom Cruise they did it like the opposite because most of Tom Cruise's early work was not action based 
And then he started to get exactly, and then he started to get more into the action stuff around the uh, the Tom Cruise around the Mission Impossible time. And now he almost exclusively does action movies. And the Mission Impossible movies though were like great, like the they just got better and better. They're raking in millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, they they are really really good. I am a big fan of the Mission Impossible movies, Um, especially like the later ones. Uh, They're just really good. Although. What was the was it, I think it was the second one, maybe the third one, the one that had Anthony Hopkins in it, and it had the uh, the third one was Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah it had the the virus that was in it too. Oh, no, I'm sorry, no, that, the that Anthony Hopkins was the second one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, the yeah, one yeah. I liked the least with the Chimera. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I liked the least because it's just it's just too John Woo for me. Like, oh, man, I like love when that you one. like when you when you like the good thing about the other Mission Impossible movies is that. They they strike the right balance between spycraft and action. Yeah, and yeah. the Mission Impossible Two is just all John Woo movies, and he and he just happens to be a spy. Yeah. Like you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was some ridiculous scenes, like that motorcycle scene where like he's like, yeah. he does like the front wheelie and then like, oh, stops God. and turns it around and, and like shooting. And when he's it's in like that when he's in like that underground bunker. The one scene where he blows the door off, you know, yeah. and the doves. Like, yeah. where, why were there doves in the <laughs> underground bunker? <laughs> the pigeons, I can understand. Doves, come yeah, on. <laughs> not, not so much. Not so much. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, I would also recommend checking out Bloodfather on Netflix. So uh, that's awesome. So before I go to my first recommendation, I just happened to flick my phone on real quick, Uh-oh. and the first thing I got was a notification from Variety. That Jeff Lowe of Tiger King fame okay. has indicated that Netflix is releasing another episode of Tiger King next week. No. We get another episode now, of Tiger King? The article does not say that Netflix has confirmed this. It's just Jeff Lowe saying it. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But goddamn, I hope it's true. Man, that would be so Awesome if we could have another episode of Tiger King. Like, please. Yeah, please. This would be, like, so, like, everything that we need right now. Yes. Like, it would just be amazing. <laughs> Heal amazing. the country with your Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I've been, I have been, like, balls deep in documentary stuff. Okay. Um, just because, like, I, you just go down, like, a, especially on Netflix and Prime, you just go down, like, a... A rabbit hole in the uh, because you watched category, you know, yeah, you watch sure. one thing and then the algorithm kicks in and makes all these other recommendations. Um, so the one that I watched that I absolutely loved, even though I sort of knew the story, I had never seen this documentary. It's called Doomed, and it is the uh, story behind the scenes story of the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, yes. and yeah. it's. It's I, I watched it on Prime. I'm not sure where else you can watch it, but it's, it's free on Prime if you have it. Um, and it was really good. It was, and it was only made like a few years ago. Like it was really good. Yeah, it's a really, really good documentary. And it really tells you the story of the way that Marvel Comics went when they were going through like and making movies in the 90s. Yeah. And how it changed in the early 2000s, yeah. right? And where like they did, I, I think it was... That Fantastic Four movie, and it that was the last movie, and, and Stan Lee was like, nope, never again. We're taking control of all of this. Yeah. We want all that control back. And then that's when they were able to start with Iron Man, because they started with the characters 
that nobody else wanted. Right. Right. Nobody wanted Captain America. Nobody wanted Iron Man. They're, they weren't that big or well-known of characters. Everybody wanted yeah. the X-Men. Everybody wanted Spider-Man. Right. They had had the cartoon series and everything else. But I mean, even Captain America had a movie that was made in he the had, early 90s. He had two movies. He did <laughs> have two were movies. Both really they bad. Both really bad. <laughs> but the first one was actually directed by Albert Payun. Really? Yes. I did yeah. not know that. So Albert Payun is one of my favorite schlock directors. Wow. Uh, he directed Cyborg. Makes he directed uh, a whole bunch of different things, but he also directed the 1990, I believe it was 1991, uh, Captain America I movie. think you're correct. Yeah. The, the thing that I found the most fascinating about the Roger Corman movie was that, so it was a lot of, you know... A lot of typical movie industry stuff where a big reason why the movie got made was because the studio that owned um, the rights uh, didn't, you know, it was one of those things where there was an expiration date on it. So it's like, okay, if we don't yep. do something with this property, we're going to lose the rights. Yep. So they rushed the whole thing into production, which is like a tale as old as time in Hollywood when they own rights to something and they want to make money off of it. Um, but the thing that I found, it was almost like heartbreaking because they got the, the whole cast was essentially more or less unknowns. Like a lot of working actors, like people that had done, you know, they had their careers and they were, you know, moderately successful, but none of them were A or even B list actors. Right. And the thing that I found almost heartbreaking about watching the documentary was the fact that nobody really knew, even like the producers and the directors, even Roger Corman, I guess Roger Corman probably knew, but most people working on that movie did not know that the movie was, quote, doomed from the beginning. Yeah. Like, the plan. So yep. you find out in the documentary that that this movie was never, ever meant to see the light of day. Uh, and ever. these poor actors are going on, like, these big promo tours, like, normal fucking tours, to, uh, PR tours, and, like, going to cons and promoting this. And the, the reality is the movie was never going to get released and nobody no. knew it at the time. Right. But it is available. You can find it out there on the internet. I think it's actually on YouTube. If you search hard enough, yeah. you can find the actual Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, um, which it, it's definitely, if, if you like bad movies, I mean, it's hysterical. It's a great movie to watch and with a bunch of your friends and, well, maybe virtually now. Yeah, virtually. But, watch uh, party. To watch and, and have a watch party and, and actually just kind of like MST3K it or, or make fun of it, right? But you know what? Here's what I'm going to say, though, about that movie. And this is one thing that I think has gotten lost with the progression of CGI. And progression of CGI has gotten us a lot of really great things. But... Some things that are lost are some of the mocap characters get a little, you know, like whatever. I'm sorry. The Roger Corman thing and also the thing um, that, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? Uh, the guy from The Shield. Fuck. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis. Thank you. Um, both him and the guy that was in the Roger Corman uh, Fantastic Four, they both wore suits, animatronic suits. Right. Very much like the style of the Ninja Turtles from the nine from the late eighties, early nineties. Right. And I'm sorry, even the Roger Corman one looks good. Like yeah. he's a little bit smaller, you know. They did a better job with Michael Chiklis, but it doesn't look bad. It like doesn't, yeah, it the, doesn't the costumes, look the costumes that like Reed and Sue Richards wore looked ridiculous. They yeah. were so obviously cheaply done and ridiculous. But in the documentary, they talk about how one of the masks they had for the thing had legit animatronics in the face and it moved and it actually looked really cool. So anyway, my point is, I think that there's just something to be said for the amount of like 
detail and work that goes into making those kind of things and making them look good because more often than not they look better than some of the mocap stuff yeah i would agree with that a hundred percent um i i think that there is an element that is lost from that sort of like rubber suit right and the actual outfit that you can have and i think there is an element that's lost and it makes it look cheap like if you look at justice league for instance right if you're looking at the Justice League and you, you look at like the high amount of CGI that they had in that movie, it was really a letdown because yeah. it did not look good. It didn't look real. It wasn't yeah. believable. But if they had done, you know, that movie with more animatronics and actual like suits and stuff like that, yeah, it probably would have cost more, but maybe less. I don't know. But like it would have looked so much better, and it I think would have made, Cy- like the villain much more believable. And I think Cyborg is a perfect example of that. And like yes. we talked about yes. this before, where like sometimes the CGI it, it, it almost like cheapens the creativity because yep. the, what you can make it look like is limitless. Because instead of instead of like doing the rubber suit approach, where you have to like have your design one hundred percent set before you start producing anything because you don't want to waste those resources or that time. Yep. When it comes to CGI, you build something in the computer, you don't like it, click, delete, move on, and you just it, it's instantly there for you. Yeah. So I think it, it, it yeah. cheapens some of the creativity because there's no, it's almost like you have less skin in the game when you have the ability to just instantly change something without having to think about it. Yeah. So and, I, and I, as Cyborg is the example I will always go to because I just don't, for the life of me, I can't understand how somebody looked at any cyborg comic in the last 40 years yeah, and looked at that. any iteration of the character and thought that what they put on screen looked even remotely like that. No, I think that they were trying to create a cheaper version, like a Kmart version of Iron Man. Like, right? He had yeah. the, the light in the center of his chest, right? But it wasn't even that. It was like the whole texture of his suit yeah. was almost like like crushed diamond. It was so yeah, weird. Like it was, it was like weird. jagged yeah. and it wasn't smooth. Like it just, you know, on what planet are you going to make? Like when you're, when people are building airplanes, they're, the metal is smooth because it needs to be aerodynamic. They're not putting like, you know, grooves in the metal because it looks cooler. Yeah. You know, like just, it's, it's, yeah, it made oh. no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, so, so it's like unfortunate, right? But you know, that's why like you really have to enjoy some of those older movies because of of the the technology that they use, like like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one and two are both on Netflix right now, and they're such they're so enjoyable to. They go still back. hold up. They yeah, still they hold absolutely up. Absolutely, still hold up, and they're so enjoyable to watch and just just know with the uh, animatronics that they had, and like they're some of the best martial arts movies like of all time. They're like, incredible. They're yeah, they're incredible, and like it, and, and and that's another example. Like it's just when I look at that movie. And I look at the teenage, the teenage mutant ninja turtles movies that Michael Bay did when it was all CGI. I'm like, yep. I'm like, how can this? This is 25 years later. How can this look worse than it did in the early 90s? Like, yeah, how is that worse. possible? It was way worse and way less believable. Like, it's yeah, just, it's just like so over the top, and it just wasn't good. So, what yeah. else have you been watching? So, I actually uh, I went and watched an older movie as well, um, also on Netflix, and I got a chance to watch um, a kung fu movie. Uh, that is widely regarded as one of the greatest kung fu movies, if not the greatest kung fu movie of all time, and that is Five Deadly Venoms. Oh, I've never seen that. Five Deadly Venoms is a great, great kung fu movie from 1977. Um, It's very obvious, uh, getting a chance to watch that, that there was a lot of elements of Five Deadly Venoms that was taken 
um, and put into Kill Bill uh, by Quentin Tarantino. Nice. Um, you know, so like there was like, and it's it's just, it, it takes you back to like those exploitation days and like some of those movies. But yeah, very, very enjoyable. Really cool kung fu flick, if not like the greatest ever. Um, but just so, so much fun. Really, really enjoyed Five Deadly Venoms. Um, other than that, uh, other streaming services that I've actually been checking out. Um, I got a chance to watch uh, Afro Samurai on the anime front. I'm going to start watching that again because so, I haven't watched it since it so first came out. So it's a very out. quick so watch. Good. A very quick watch. You can, I, I think there's only like seven or eight episodes. Yeah. And so like it, and they, I think they're mostly like a half an hour to 45 minutes each. Yep. So you can just kind of power through the entire series yep. like very, very quickly. And then there's also a movie about it as well. Um, you can watch Afro Samurai either on Funimation or on Tubi. Right now, um, which Tubi is just one of my favorite apps to watch. I, I really enjoy not only the casting experience, the the wide variety of movies that they have. Um, I am a huge fan of 1980s films and, and 70s and kind of that exploitation. And a lot of these movies that we're kind of talking about that kind of were direct to VHS. And Tubi has a shit ton of them. Anthony and just made fifteen dollars in royalties. Joe, <laughs> I wish I worked for two. I wish they sponsored us, but I, I just, I'm, I'm like the biggest fan of it. Um, and despite how big they are, I feel like a lot of people don't know about it. And like, especially right now, oh, when I am people, acutely aware of Tubi, thanks yeah, to you. Well, <laughs> and I think that right now, especially because like everyone is clamoring for more content, you don't want to pay additional for more and more content. Right. So you want to be able to have something that you can just have as your go to. And for me, that's to be and it's free. Yep. It's free. Yeah. Occasionally there are ads that are going to come up. The ads are usually very, very short um, and, and it gets right back into the show afterwards. It, it's got if you have an Amazon Fire Stick, um, it works the best. Um, but also if you have a Chromecast and you're casting it to your TV, I found that the casting ability works very, very well as well. So so I watched the show. Uh, on Amazon Prime, again, it's free. And I don't know if Amazon Prime has the entire catalog. I haven't actually done the research, but there's only two episodes of it on Amazon Prime. And it says it's a series, but whatever. I want to find more yeah. if more exist. Um, it's an anime from the late 80s, I think. Okay. Um, it's called Goku Midnight Eye. Dude, Goku Have you Midnight watched this? Eye is an amazing anime. Dude, it's Dude. so... So is it more than just those two episodes? No. Like, the two-hour-long episodes? No, okay. Because it. yeah. it, it's, it's kind of like Alita. Yeah. Like, the Alita Battle Angel was two half-hour episodes, and that was it. Dude, it's so good. Dude, it's amazing. It's ridiculous, yeah. but it's so good. Like, yeah. uh, and the, so the whole premise is... It's this. So first of all, we just need to discuss the fact that you know it's like a futuristic type of thing or whatever, yeah. uh, very like cyberpunk uh, setting very, or whatever. Yeah, very cyberpunk. Um, the main character Goku wears a suit, right, yes. with a tie. Yes. But no shirt. No shirt. Under Correct. the suit. Correct. And uh, the first time I'm watching this, like, I, 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 your attention is obviously drawn to the suit, and like halfway through the first episode, during one of the action scenes, I was like. Wait a minute. Uh, he's not wearing a shirt, but he has the tie. Yeah. I'm like, what the? I'm like, this is so Japanese. This is such an anime. Sure. Like, and it's and it's a great, like, really, really gritty kind of midnight anime. That yeah, I love, right? yeah, very midnight like, pulp. <laughs> yeah, like very, like very midnight anime where like you want to watch some some weird fucking shit late at night, you know? And you're you're kicking back with your favorite beverage or uh, yep. whatever else that may float your fancy. <laughs> um, 
And uh, and you want to watch like some weird shit? Just such a great anime to watch. Dude, it really, really is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. The other thing that I've gotten real into that I've been just barreling through because it's such a quick and easy watch um, is Shit's Creek. Have you watched Shit's Creek before? So I haven't, um, but I've heard so many good things about it. It's um, fucking also hilarious. on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, I've heard it's really really funny. Yeah, five of the six seasons are out on Netflix right now because the the final season is actually airing currently. Um, but dude, it's just like it's. I don't, I don't even know what vein of comedy I would I would put it into, um, but it's very unique in terms of the jokes that it is. But it's all it's very it's very quick. You know what? It kind of reminds me of Community a little bit, okay. like that style of humor where like some of the jokes, like if you if you stop listening for like two seconds, you might like miss a joke. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and the characters. It's all about this. Um, it's about this family uh, from New York, a rich family that owns. Uh, they owned a company, and f- funny enough, actually, c- for our type of show, um, the it's Eugene Levy, and he is the owner of a video store chain, something like a Blockbuster. Right. And right. they they don't really explain what happened, but basically his company just went belly up, and he lost everything. And now they're in this like podunk midwestern town. The town is called Shit's Creek, and it's like all about them adjusting because they're just like you know. High society, hoity-toity, bougie, like just yeah. don't understand anything about Middle America, sure. and it's just about them adjusting to that life, to Middle American life. Oh, yeah. dude, and it's just so fucking. It's like Eugene Levy. If you're a fan of Eugene Levy and like him and like his acting and his humor, like he's he's one, he's the creator and one of the writers. Him and his son actually, and his son plays his son in the show. Um, it's just fucking hilarious. Like I said, it's like I think 12, 13 episode seasons. Each episode's like twenty five minutes. A quick, easy, amazing watch. Yeah, that's just so awesome. Um, I've heard, I, so, um, my fiance was watching it. Uh, he was on in the other room while I was playing video games. Cause I was into Dragon Ball Z while she was watching it, yeah. playing that for a hundred and some odd hours or whatever I did. I, I, I clocked <laughs> so many hours in that um, game. But yeah, no, like it's, um, really, really funny show. Um, and I've heard so many good things about it. So it's definitely on my watch list. The uh, speaking of Kakarot, the DLC is coming out soon. And I yes, can't yeah, wait. yeah. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, the new uh, downloadable uh, content is going to be coming out, and it's going to be all about Dragon Ball Super. It's going to be the Battle of the Gods storyline. Yes. And can we? Which is a little frustrating. I really wish they would have done GT. Like, well, either GT or the movies. Like go back and do the Dragon Ball Z movies. So here's then you could have had Brawly. You could have had. You know the the tree of might movie yeah. and all of those characters, right? You could have you could have had you know um, a cooler and metal cooler, yep. right? And have those movies. You could have had Gogeta in there, where you could have a scene where you, you fight Janamba, and then you could have had a fight with the giant monster from uh, movie thirteen, Fist uh, Tapion. The Harudagarn. Yeah, the Harudagarn. So right? so what I'm really hoping cool. for this, and I totally agree, but what I'm hoping is I'm hoping that this game, it seems like it's popular enough um, that they can continue releasing DLC. Because if you remember back, it's like four years ago now when Xenoverse 2 came out. You know, and like that was the big yep. DBZ game at the yep. time. I played that a lot. I eventually grew tired of it because some of the shit was it just, you know, irritated me. But um, they're still releasing DLC yeah, for, that. for that. So yeah. I'm hoping that that Kakarot becomes that yeah. um, because it's got enough of the world, the open world gameplay built into it that you, in my opinion, I don't know what the fuck goes into, you know, game design and, and releasing and shit like that, but it feels to me 
Like, it would be relatively easy to continue releasing that kind of DLC for the next, yep. like, three years. Yeah, And absolutely. give us everything we want eventually. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that... Um, and, like, with Dragon Ball Z, because you could even go back and you could do, like, Dragon Ball episodes, where, yeah. right? Yeah. They brought in the, the time machine so you can go back and you can do... Um, sort of missions and everything else from like previously in the game, which was awesome because a lot of those one-off fights that you get where you're playing as Gotenks or uh, playing as Vegito and you only get a chance to play as them once, you can now go back and replay those uh, those missions over again, which is cool. And you get future trunks at the end Amazing. of the game, which is just like, I mean, it, for me, it changed the entire game, right? It was one of the bigger disappointments like what, before the, the time machine came out and uh, and now it's like it's like that you're able to play as him, and, and it just adds a whole new dynamic to the game. And can we just talk about um, Dragon Ball Super for a minute, since we're talking about the DLC? Because I I cannot even finish Dragon Ball Super. No, it's so bad. Yeah, I am not a fan of Dragon Ball Super at all. I, like, a lot of people complained about uh, Dragon Ball GT, and I actually think that Dragon Ball GT is more enjoyable than Dragon Ball Super. I totally agree, because Super, I, I will admit, when Super first came out, and when it was just the two movies, when it was Battle of Gods and uh, Resurrection F in the movie format, both of those are awesome. Despite the fact that the whole Super Saiyan God transformation makes absolutely zero fucking sense, um, the yep. rest of those two movies is really, really fucking great. And then when they started the series and took those two movies and broke them into like 30 episode arcs, it was okay. Mm -hmm. And then the Goku Black arc hit and the Goku Black arc was Awesome. Yeah, that's the best arc in the entire in all of Dragon Ball Super. Yes, like, by far. Everyone talks about the Tournament of Power, but it's really no, the Goku. See, it's the, the Goku Black. The Tournament arc. of Power is such garbage, and it takes yeah. up like a hundred episodes. Because yep. what, what? So here's what's bad about it. Aside from the fact that they never really up their game on the animation side of things, like the animation is still for the most part pretty bad. It gets better by the end, but it's still pretty bad in comparison to everything else in any other Dragon Ball medium ever. Yeah. Um. The thing that irritates me about the Tournament of Power, um, there are several things, but the thing that irritates me the most is that there it feels like it feels like there are no consequences whatsoever to the story. Yeah, We're no. like, you know the consequences are. It's like, oh, when a universe loses, their universe gets erased by this grand, super, mega, awesome god who has these magical powers or what the fuck ever it is. Yeah. But when you're actually watching it and the way it's executed, it feels like there are zero stakes zero consequences yeah and it just seems like more of the same right it's just more of regular exactly the same stories that we've been hearing over and over and over again one of the things that i liked about the goku black arc was that it was a little bit more original yeah yeah it brought back future trunks but like whatever like it was a little bit more of an original story it was right different from dragon ball z right and Tournament of Power is everything that Dragon Ball Z was. Yeah, and like Dragon and the the Black Goku arc took a lot of already established Dragon Ball mythos and like just expanded on it in a really thoughtful and meaningful way. Like with the whole thing, you know, because it because it, it, it you know in in the original Future Trunks Android Cell Saga, we learn that it's not so much a linear timeline; it's different universes. We right. learn that right. in that in that arc, right? 
And so that begs the question, once we get to the Majin Buu saga and we find out about the Kais and everything else, it just then naturally begs the question, okay, so do all of these other universes also have their own versions of Kais? And that's where a lot of the Black Goku arc comes from with, like, it was Zamasu, who was basically like an evil Kai, you know? Right. And, like, it was really cool and thoughtfully yep. done. And then fast forward to the Tournament of Power, and to be fair, there are a lot of what appear to be interesting characters that are introduced in the Tournament of Power, but because there are, again, so many of them, and absolutely zero consequences with how these characters are introduced and how what like what they're fighting for, because they're all fighting for the same thing, yep. but then it makes it so much harder to have villains and heroes, and everything is blurred, yep. and it just, it just feels like a cheap story to make action cartoons. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and really, I mean, that's kind of what it is. So. It's really all we'll, it is, we'll, yeah. We'll see. Like, I know, I, I think that they are going to come out with another storyline in Dragon Ball Super. Well, there's, a, there's a new storyline going on in the manga right now, um, which actually sounds pretty interesting. They introduced this right. character called Moro. Um, yes. Who, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the goat god. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know too much about it, but from what I can understand, it sounds like there are some interesting components to the story where um, one part, apparently, Vegeta is on Yardrat uh, training, like where Goku learned the instant transmission. Right. That's one thing. So and you actually see that yeah. planet. You'll actually eventually yep. get to see that planet. And, appar- and yeah. apparently they actually bring the other characters that have been just completely forgotten in Dragon Ball Super um, more up to the forefront again. So Gohan's got some power back or more power back. Piccolo and Yamcha and Krillin are actually doing, like, meaningful fighting, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I hated in Dragon Ball Super was that when Roshi came back and all of a sudden he's, like, super-duper powerful, like, it just didn't make sense. Like, like he he had always been written off, like, as yeah. he's no longer, like, you know, a viable character, right? Yeah. And now they're bringing him back and making him more, like, it just didn't yeah. make sense. And, then, and, then, and this is why, and, and it's even, like, one of those things that even, the thing that irritated me most about the Tournament of Power is that, like, I'm okay with them bringing Roshi back, and the way they did it in Resurrection F was perfect, because it's entirely yeah. believable that Roshi could have enough power to easily fight off Frieza's henchmen, because they're, like, weak sauce, you know? But, and, but... To have him fight in the Tournament of Power is dumb with the kind of power levels they were introducing there. And then to not also have, like, the biggest miss for the Tournament of Power was having more low-level fighters for people like Tien and Roshi and Krillin to fight and beat. Right. Like, we can yeah. only watch them get beat so many times before it gets fucking boring. Yeah, it, it always is boring because that's all that happens. It's like, yeah, yeah, we have characters other than Saiyans, and then they're just, like, pushed to the side. Yeah. And so it's like, whatever. Yeah, it's fucking garbage. Yeah. So I hope that this, everybody everybody online seems to, because I'm not reading it, but I'm just keeping up with the, the comments. Everybody online seems to be a huge fan of what they're doing in the manga right now, um, more so than they were with anything else in Super. So I'm hoping that translates to good story arcs going forward, because the end of Dragon Ball Super, almost like half is, is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, one of the things that I moving on from from Dragon Ball, um, one of the other things that I got a chance to watch and do um, while while being quarantined <laughs> is um, so in a combination of Disney Plus and Hulu, I was able to do a chronological viewing of all of the Marvel movies. Yes, and it was yes. awesome. Yes, like getting a chance to watch them in chronological order. So you start with Captain America. Yep. And then you move on to um, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel yep. uh, and then move on from there. Um, 
and, and you go through, there's plenty of, of different lists that you can find on the internet of, of the, the right movie order. Right. And it's just so great. And one of the, the more enjoyable experiences for me was watching the two uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies back to back. I was just going to say those that. Those movies yeah. are so great back to back. Like when you watch them, because chronologically, that's exactly how it yep. happens. And it fits in perfectly. Yeah. Like they're absolutely perfect when you're, you're fitting them in back to back. Because when I saw the second Guardians of the Galaxy in the theaters, I didn't love it. Like I liked it, but like the first yeah. one I thought was so much better. But then when I went back, I did the exact same thing you did a few months ago. Yeah. Um, not obviously all at once because it was pre-quarantine. I was just kind of watching them <laughs> piece yeah. by piece. But I did exactly that. I One day I watched Guardians Volume 1 and the second day I watched Volume 2. And I was like, oh. This movie's much better when you watch it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. And I, I really, really ended up liking the, the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I, I thought it was awesome. Um, and just it really ties in with the rest of the storyline really well. Yep. Uh, because then I, I think the next one after that was Thor. Uh, uh, Ragnarok? Yeah, I think Thor Ragnarok is the one that comes after the I'm that. trying to remember the chrono the chronology. Yeah. But anyway, but then and then right after Thor Ragnarok, you watch it's Avengers. Infinity War. Yeah, it's Avengers yeah. Infinity War, yep. right? And and then all of a sudden all the Guardians of the Galaxy come back. And it just makes it even better. Yep. It's just even better and it's just awesome and so much fun. So now here's the question. Did you watch Ant Man and the Wasp before or after Infinity War? Because technically they take place at the same time. Right, so I watched it after Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, that's what I would have done yeah, too. I, yeah. I watched it after Infinity War before Endgame. Right, because they technically take place at the same time, but because, you know, Infinity War mostly takes place in, in Wakanda um, and in space, you know, there's not a whole lot right. going on on right. Earth. So, yeah. But then no, there's an amazing after credit scene. To be honest with you, I think it was actually a combination of three different things. Because, like, I think Ant and Wasp Man, is, uh, or <laughs> scratch that, reverse it, Ant Man and Wasp yep. uh, is actually on Netflix right now. It still is, yes. Yeah. They haven't moved everything yeah. into Disney. Yeah, Plus in fact, yet. I think yeah. the only one that was on Hulu was Spider Man. Yeah, probably. Spider-Man, yeah, Far From Home. Or not I, Far From Home, the other one. Homecoming, Homecoming yeah. yeah. I particularly liked watching um, Civil War and then Black Panther because they follow pretty much – Black Panther follows Civil War almost immediately. So, and, so, like, it's a cool – Yeah, so I did it – I did it – I did Black Panther after Spider-Man. So I watched oh, Civil okay. War and then Spider-Man and then Black Panther – but same thing. Yeah, like, they they both basically have the watching, same time. Watching Spider Man after after Civil War, like directly after it, like you watch them back to back, and it was it's just, so great. It's just such a good experience. Yep. It's such a great movie. Yep, like, it yeah, it really is. Just makes a good movie even better. Yeah. What else have I been watching on? I've been trying to think now. I've, like I said, a lot of I, oh, I watched this really great documentary um, on. Uh, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. So yeah. there's there's three. Uh, three comic book movie doc, three comic book documentaries that I have watched. Um, one was Image, is an Image Comics documentary, and I forget what it's called. I think it's just called The Age of Image. Okay. Um, also on Prime for free, and uh, the the Chris Claremont one that we were talking about before. Right. I forget what it's called. Yeah, the, that's on Amazon Prime. The Chris Claremont one in particular was like amazing. Yeah, it was really really good, and like understanding like who Chris Claremont was and how he was like. 13 years old when he like yeah. started writing for the X-Men yep. and nobody else wanted to, to take on the X-Men. Nobody else wanted to like write that story. So they're like, here, you can have this. And he just took it and ran with it and just wrote some of the most amazing oh, yeah. stories like ever. His, his run on X-Men, which I think lasted for like 17 or 18 years yeah. is un unquestionably 
one of the greatest, if not the greatest, runs on from a writer perspective on comic books in any in any yeah anywhere yeah. yeah. Um, I loved in particular hearing about his like his thought process on how, what he did with the characters and how he like progressed them um, and like the fights he would get into with the Marvel brass because like in his mind you know when uh, when the original five X Men broke up his intent he was like we're never bringing the original five back ever again and that's why throughout the late seventies and eighties. You got so many different iterations of the team because one of the things that he did so well was like make the characters live with their consequences. Yep. You know, so like yeah. Banshee, for example, like when Banshee like decided he didn't want to be an X Men anymore, and Chris Claremont's head hearing him talk about it, he's like, Banshee's never coming back to the X Men. Like, yeah. and people would rotate through, and I remember specifically, I loved hearing him talk about how he was pissed when Marvel basically went behind his back and reunited the original five X-Men in the right. X-Factor in the title X-Factor, right. and, like, didn't tell him about it. And he right. was like, what the fuck? He's like, now, yeah. you know, now this is in my world right now. And I particularly loved hearing about um, the the advent of, like, the Jim Lees um, at the time because, you know, the documentary almost kind of, like, paints the Jim Lees and, like, the Todd McFarlane's coming in in the early 90s as, like, the bad guys. Yeah. You know, because, like, they, they wanted the to young take blood. things. Yeah. yeah. They wanted to take things over. Right. And, 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 like, take it, like, in a completely different direction, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, like, it was just really interesting Which, when it was I done. Mean, worked okay for Jim Lee. Yeah, worked out, worked out <laughs> just fine. Yeah, worked out just fine. But, yeah, no, it's a great documentary. Would strongly encourage you, whether you're a comic book fan or not, if you've ever seen the X-Men movies and, and you're a fan, you want to be able to see, like, okay... It's just an interesting story about a, a great writer who gets into this comic book world and just what the behind the scenes of, of that comic book world, like from a, a business standpoint, really looks like yeah. and really feels like. And it was just, it was very, very cool. What else yeah. you got? Um, no, the, the only, I'm watching a lot of garbage. I, I, I know, watched, so many bad man, things. Man, it was great. I watched, I watched the Nemesis movies, which are just... Uh, there's three of them on Tubi right now. Uh, so Nemesis One, Nemesis Two, and Nemesis Three. I think there's five in total. I've watched Samurai Cop three times. Dude, Samurai just, Cop just on is, in the background. Samurai Cop is a great movie. <laughs> uh, I've watched. Uh, I watched a movie called Night of the Comet, which is uh, a classic <laughs> zombie story. It's great. It's, it's just absolute schlock. Um, and I'm a big fan of all that kind of stuff. So you know, that's I, I do enjoy those movies quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there, there's, the good thing is, is that there's a lot of content out there. The bad thing is, is there's a lot of bad content I that's know, out there. I know, but sometimes the bad content is almost more satisfying than the, than yeah, the, good, than the good, you know, yeah. you're just like, oh, you just get into it. And like, like you said, there's, there's something about watching that kind of stuff. Like you said, like late at night when you're about to oh, go to yeah. bed and you're like half drunk, it, it, it hits differently as oh, the kids yeah. say, you know? Like. Yeah, it hits, it hits real differently, right? You turn the lights off and you're sitting there and you're like just watching this yeah. crazy, <laughs> wild, trippy-ass movie and you're just like, what is going on? And it's just great. It's just great. Yeah, you just yeah. can't even process it. Yeah. Um. Well, all right, listen. So we could sit here for hours and talk about the shit we're watching, but we want to hear from you guys and what have you been watching during quarantine. So yeah, when we get this know, episode out, tell us. streaming services that are out there that we don't know about? I've been finding that there's a lot of actual free streaming services that are kind of going underneath the radar right now. So let us know your favorite one. Let, let us know what are you watching? What do you like? Um, 
you know, what's been fun, what's been really cool. And uh, yeah, and uh, don't forget, like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Ready, Set, Review. Um, send us an email, um, readysetreview at gmail.com. Even though I never check it, but Matt occasionally does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, send us send us an email. We do check it uh, quite often, actually. And um, yeah, and uh, otherwise, stay healthy, stay safe, wash your hands, don't touch your face. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers.